This is the Dr. Duke Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Duke Show. I am Dr. Duke, and I am joined by the inimitable Alex Newman. Alex, how are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Duke. Love to see you. Uh, and uh, we have an interesting story, a couple of stories today. So I'm trying to, we're trying to accentuate the positive as much as possible lately on the Dr. Duke Show. And one example of that is, we, as you and I know, activists, moms and dads have been trying to push back against this gender-affirming nonsense. Now... We're beginning to see medical experts pushing back, and this could be a potential game changer. Uh, I'm re- referencing an article by Wes, uh, Wes Smith at the National Review, and it points out that the U.S. medical establish- establishment, which has gone all in, it seems, supporting gender ideology, is now beginning to uh, demonstrate some cracks. Uh, medical experts in the field are beginning to push back against the endocrine society's embrace of so-called Jeff gender-affirming care. Uh, the Wall Street Journal has an interesting article about, that, about this, and it's worth noting, from the letter to the editor, quote, every systemic review of evidence to date, including one published in the Journal of the Endocrine Society, has found the evidence for mental health benefits of hormonal interventions for minors to be low, very low in certainty. By contrast, the risks are significant and include sterility, lifelong dependence on medication, and the anguish of regret. For this reason, more and more European countries and international professional organizations are now recommending psychotherapy rather than hormones and surgeries as the first line of treatment for gender dysphoric youth. Dr. Hams, one of the doctors who's written this, claims that gender transition reduces suicides, contradict, are, are contradicted by every systematic review, including the review published by the endocrine society itself which states quote we could not draw any conclusions about death by suicide everything we've been told from the medical side of things alex has been a lie it's nice to see that some doctors and medical practitioners are beginning to push back yeah it is and of course this is just common sense i didn't need a study to tell me that it was a bad idea to castrate a child that it was a bad idea to give a little girl a hysterectomy or remove her breasts uh that that is so basic and so obvious that it's hard to believe our society has gone this far down the road to madness. But I I think this is an important point. Um, We are being lied to. Even the fake studies that uh, the, the garbage studies that, that are being cited as supporting this madness uh, don't even say what they claim to say, right? Uh, and, and this is a very good example. The key argument that's being used on parents all across this country that, well, would you rather have a, a son or a dead daughter? Would you rather have a dead daughter or, or a son or a, a dead son uh, or a daughter? Uh, this is a lie. This is an absolute lie. And even the medical organizations and the studies purporting to show this don't actually show this. So I'm encouraged by more and more doctors speaking out. In fact, I've interviewed some of the leading doctors in this field. I've spoken with uh, Dr. Miriam Grossman, uh, who played a leading role in What is a Woman. I've spoken with uh, Dr. Uh, Quentin Van Meter, the head of the American College of Pediatricians, who calls this kind of quack medicine uh, child abuse. And so, and and I just got back from Sweden. I just landed back in the United States from Sweden. Sweden is one of the most, quote unquote, progressive societies in the world. And even there, they've stopped doing this surgical mutilation of children's genitals. So uh, America is, is basically alone now on this road to insanity. And it's very good to see some prominent medical professionals uh, and some prominent periodicals like the Wall Street Journal becoming part of the push back. 
Well, and it's even worse than that because the idea that uh, somehow if you don't give your kids these puberty blockers, these off, these completely bodily altering, non-reversible procedures, including surgeries, then they're going to kill themselves. We now know that once you give them the so-called gender-affirming care, you lop things off and you sterilize them from with puberty blockers, the, the suicide rate remains the same or is even higher in many instances. And so clearly what you're dealing with is a mental health problem. And when you mutilate bodies instead of dealing with mental problems, it would almost be like uh, removing a liver or, or cutting off half a liver to try to deal with alcoholism. I mean, the, what, what's left is destroyed. And the, the substance abuse with alcoholism is still there, psychologically, spiritually, ethically, morally. It is absolutely crazy. Let me ask you this question, because I think I know uh, how I would answer it, but I want to hear you on this. Why? Why are so many medical professionals and professional medical organizations so quick to jump on this ridiculous bandwagon and call these mutilations gender-affirming? Well, I think there's several things at work here. One is the incredible pressure being leveled on them. But I, I think, you know, the Bible talks about the root of money or the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil or all evil, depending on what translation you use. And, and I think here there is a very, very clear financial motive. Uh, big pharmaceutical companies, uh, uh, big um, companies that, that specialize in producing uh, surgical instruments. Uh, you know, the, the Stryker Corporation uh, is a very obvious example. There is a financial interest in turning these little children into lifelong customers, whether you're selling them puberty blockers, hormone therapies, so-called uh, surgeries. Right? You're, you're turning into lifelong customers who are then going to be paying you over their lifetime hundreds of thousands, if not more dollars. Uh, so there's a very clear financial motive. And I think also th there's this issue that so many people are scared of what the media might call them. And so you have a lot of doctors who recognize this is total madness, that this is unbelievably ridiculous. And yet they know that if they speak out, they're going to be called names. The, their local newspaper might say something bad about them. They might be put on the Soviet poverty law centers, hate list. Uh, you know, uh, it, it that That's what happens. And, and we've seen that happen. Now, I think we're getting to a critical mass now where uh, within a few years, probably everybody will look back on this and say, oh, my goodness, I cannot believe we did that. The lawsuits are going to start flying. Uh, the financial motive is going to disappear as these doctors and their insurance companies end up on the hook for millions of dollars for mutilating these poor children. But uh, right now, you know, the momentum is still pretty solidly in the in the direction of this. And I think that's why so many doctors have failed to speak out. That's why so many medical societies and journals have failed to sound the alarm. Yeah, and I would add to that, you kind of alluded to it as well. There's a great, great fear of the LGBTQ activists. It's not just the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, the I've made this point. I think you would agree with this. The single most powerful lobby outside of teachers unions in this country today is the organizations behind the LGBTQ. The power they wield, the ability to bully that they have, the money that flows into their coffers. It, we have to break this idea, Alex, that the LGBTQ are minor, is a sad little minority group of persecuted people. They are the persecutors, they are the bullies, they are the problem. 
Uh, no question about it, Duke. And, and even behind them, you know, th- there's a lot of homosexuals who are not interested in this, right? They, they were just interested in doing their thing behind closed doors, not bothering everybody. Uh, there is an effort, a very clear effort to utilize and manipulate and weaponize uh, homosexuals and even people confused about their gender into serving as a kind of battering ram against Christian civilization, against the nuclear family. Uh, and that's the real agenda here. And, and, you know, many members of the alphabet crowd, the LGBT crew, don't even fully understand but some do, right? What we're dealing with here is a revolution. They want to destroy what they consider to be normative society. So heteronormativity needs to be smashed. Cis-normativity needs to be smashed. Um, Patriarchy needs to be smashed. And ultimately, the nuclear family needs to be smashed. And I've heard transgender activists talking on Zoom calls saying, you know, transgenderism is really about communism, right? We are overthrowing the old social order. So what's happening here is much broader than just uh, you know, people with uh, uh, different sexual preferences and, and uh, ideas uh, trying to get respect and equal rights. What's happening here is really a revolution, and the LGBT movement is the tip of the spear. It is being used by forces far more powerful than even the LGBT activists themselves realize. After the break, we're going to continue our discussion about this. We've got a great video that will show you in South Carolina just how doctors are getting bullied into this, and we'll be doing that right after the break. Back again with Alex Newman, we're continuing our conversation about the pushback. What we seem to be at the very cusp of is scientists, medical practitioners beginning to push back against the radical momentum of the LGBTQ, all these medical organizations who are 100% behind on this gender-affirming nonsense. We have a video, Alex, I want you to take a look at from South Carolina about uh, how doctors are being pressured to adapt to the new LGBTQ utopia. So Sam, I'd like to ask you a few more questions if that's okay. Okay. All right. Can you tell me, do you feel like a boy, like a girl, like both or neither? And there's no right answer. He keeps telling me that he's a girl and that he doesn't like boy stuff. So let him go by the name of Sam, which I like because it could be for a boy or for a girl. I don't know, I, I think he just wants to be like his big sister. Dad, I told you, I'm a girl. I'm sorry, honey, this is hard to understand. Well, thank you for sharing that. I would like to ask Sam. So what do you say, Sam? I'm a girl. How long have you known you're a girl? I don't know, but a long time. So when we're talking about you, would you like for us to say he or she? She. Okay, thanks. In this scenario, The registration form provided an opportunity for the parent to share his child's name, pronouns, and gender identity. If I spent years, Alex, in medical school learning science, if I was on the grueling path of being an intern working, what, 48, 60-hour shifts at a time, I would be so immediately angry at these bureaucrats and these DEI monsters who put this crap together. 
Yeah. And, and we're coming to a, a situation very rapidly now where I think it's becoming increasingly difficult for doctors to practice. You know, Obamacare did its best to centralize total control over the medical profession, to shut down independent practitioners, to make it almost impossible for an independent practice to comply with all the paperwork and the bureaucracy and the insurance madness. Uh, and they're funneling them all into these major medical systems, these major hospital affiliated practices. Uh, and then they're forcing this kind of madness on them. Uh, you know, at, at this point, uh, when, when looking for a PD the first question is, are you a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics? Because if you are, we are not coming to you. I mean, this is a, a medical association that has gone totally bonkers, that is pushing this uh, gender affirmation craziness on all the pediatricians. Uh, it's time for consumers and parents to exercise much more discernment because obviously doctors are being forced into craziness just like what we just saw. Yeah, it is ridiculous. And uh, I think government plays a huge role in this. I think these big medical corporations, these big associations, it's the, the parallel, Alex, is what's happening and what has happened to our law schools and our law accredit accrediting organizations. Uh, we know that the, the law schools in this country are radical left and they're very intolerant of anybody who's not. We know that the major lawyer organizations are radically left-wing with regards to CE, CRT and DEI and white supremacy. And I think the same thing is happening. I think at the highest levels of these organizations, uh, there's a serious push by particularly progressive Biden government uh, uh, activists who are telling these organizations, you are going to be this way, or we're going to make it very hard for you to do what you want to do. And then you couple that with the fact that you have universities where the law schools are, uh, to, they're always attached to big universities, which means the faculty aren't really lawyers first. They are academics first and who happen to be lawyers. Same thing that happens with every other aspect of a business. You, my students, people actually believe that business programs in colleges are conservative because they're business programs and they want to make money. No, those classes are taught by academics who may have had some business background. But they are academics because they want to change business, not to be out in the real world making money. Yep. Uh, and, and to go back to what you just pointed out, Duke, uh, you know, Secretary of Health and Human Services, which, you know, what a joke. Uh, Javier Becerra actually just came out recently and said publicly on stage, it was broadcast on television, that uh, they were going to use Medicare and Medicaid dollars to force institutions, to force states to impose this uh, LGBT mania, uh, right? If, if you won't as a hospital or if you won't as a state tolerate the, the removing of healthy body parts from children, then they want to deny uh, all federal health care dollars to you. So uh, this takes us to the broader point of why in the world is the federal government the biggest spender when it comes to health care in the first place? What part of the Constitution authorizes this? Well, and this gets us back to the lawyers. The lawyers haven't read the Constitution. The lawyers uh, have this wildly distorted vision of law that comes to them from their progressive law schools. And so all of our institutions, our hospitals, our governments, our, our lawyers, our legal professions, our medical associations, they've all become corrupted. And so much of this goes back to money, whether that be big pharma dollars, whether that be uh, money from the federal government through Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, and it is corrupting the entire society. And, and regular people understand that this is not okay, but the incentive structures are such that they can't even speak out without risking losing their job, without losing their grants, without losing their, their customers, without becoming the subject of lawsuits and, and uh, terrorism, you know, the, the, the label lynching that uh, these left-wing hate groups specialize in, in using.
Yeah, this is where we take a victory lap and point out to all those morons who actually believed Obamacare was apolitical, that socialized (laughs) medicine has nothing to do with controlling culture. What you just explained eloquently over the last two minutes, Alex, is exactly what happened. What enabled it to happen in the last 10 years is Obamacare. The more you move towards social medicine, socialized medicine, the more you get these kinds of cultural interventions. And you said we said something before the break that I have to bring back because our second story deals with this. It's America. I mean, America is no longer five or 10 or 20 years behind Europe. It's leapfrogged Europe when it comes to this trans madness. Even the Canadians, who are even worse than the Europeans, aren't where we we are in America. And so there's a number of articles out there, share share this one with you from Breitbart. Medical leaders all across the world and inside of America are beginning to point out how out of line and out of touch American medical practice is. The medical sector's treatment of Americans who claim to be transgender is politicized and reckless. That's their words, not mine. Politicized and reckless, not scientific, not careful. This is a panel of European and U.S. medical experts, 21 of them. Take a look at what we've got here. I thought you had a a graphic on it. Nothing? Oh, never mind. So 21 different uh, medical professionals here and abroad are pointing out how political this has become and how anti-scientific. Yeah, it is. And, and, and this is almost the definition of anti-science, right? Uh, biology clearly shows that there are two genders, right? Down to every single cell in your body and your chromosomes. Uh, and yet the medical treatment, the profession, the self-appointed guardians of medical science have now collectively lost their minds. And, you know, I, I suspect your average doctor who's caught up in the system knows better. But again, if they speak out, and we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago, there was a doctor who was being relentlessly persecuted by his institution, I think it might have been the the Mayo Clinic, for pointing out that men masquerading as women have an advantage in female sports because they're still men, right? Uh, So so we now are are in an absurd situation. Uh, And when you have Sweden and and the UK and Denmark and Norway uh, behaving more conservatively and, and more sanely than the United States, you know you have an incredibly serious problem. Yeah, we have surgeons in the the Breitbart article point out uh, surgeons who are doing surgeries behind closed doors with on students, uh, young people who don't even have gender dysphoria that can be measured. I mean, this is how fastly, how quickly this is trying to be pushed. They want uh, what they're trying to create is a basic um, uh, an army of Frankenstein children, right? Children so mauled and and manipulated bodies who have been completely uh, uh, terrorized, for lack of a better word. They want to create an army of the army of them. So then in their minds, the progressive left, there's no going back, right? When you get a certain critical mass of warped young bodies, then that's going to normalize this. And so they're rushing behind closed doors to perform these surgeries. Do we, we had a, a, a program we did a couple months ago, about a month ago, about how Catholic, Catholic network hospitals are doing these surgeries, buying a huge robot, robotic uh, surgical tools to, to mutilate young bodies and not letting anybody know about this. This is how fast it's moving. 
Yeah, it is. And I, I think the best analogy I ever heard to, to kind of make sense of what we're dealing with here with these surgeries is, uh, and I heard this years ago, I think it was um, a psychiatrist at, uh, maybe it was Johns Hopkins. He said, imagine uh, a little girl who imagined that she was obese. She she told everyone she was obese. She felt obese, and she, so she just completely stopped eating. Right? She became anorexic, or she started eating and then throwing up everything that she was eating. And then she goes to a doctor and tells the doctor, "Yeah, you know, I feel obese, so I've just decided to stop eating." And rather than say, "Look, you ha- you obviously are not obese. In fact, you're as skinny as a rail," the doctor said, "Wow, you know, if you identify as obese, well, I, I guess you must be obese. So let's get the liposuction things ready, and you know, let's start vacuuming that fat out of there." Uh, you know, everybody would recognize that this is totally bonkers. In fact, it would be criminal. This doctor would almost certainly be arrested. And yet this is exactly what we're doing with these poor kids who've been duped by their government schools, by the Disney movies into believing that they're a different gender. Putting them on the operating table, it, it's completely completely insane. Uh, and I think at some point there's going to have to be accountability, uh, not just financial, not just in the form of lawsuits. I think the ringleaders of this are acting uh, with very, very nefarious motivations. And I think there needs to be criminal accountability. I agree. Absolutely. And in this letter uh, of the 21 people who are uh, scientists who are pushing back against this, they talk about the difference between Europe and America. And they say uh, these European countries have adopted a far more restrictive and cautious approach, one that prioritizes psychotherapy therapy and reserves hormonal interventions for extreme cases. In stark contrast to groups like the American Academy of Pediatrics, who you mentioned, Alex, which urges clinicians to affirm their patient's identity irrespective of circumstance and regards alternatives to an affirm, early affirm approach only as conversion therapy. In America, the American Pediatric Society is telling them, you either give babies what they want or what their parents want, or you're converting them, which is illegal in many states now. Yep. Uh, and it only goes one way. Right? Uh, if, if you convert a child to transgenderism, oh, well, that's totally fine. That's just who they really were. They just didn't know it until this kindergarten teacher explained it to them. Uh, so, so this is really nefarious. And ultimately, this, this thing with conversion therapy, uh, I think we need to recognize that this is much broader than just trying to, to tell a child that he or she should be comfortable in the body that God gave them or that he or she uh, should be comfortable with uh, you know heterosexual relations. Uh, ultimately, this is an effort to, I think, criminalize the Bible and criminalize the gospel, the idea that Christ can transform you, the idea that um, uh, surrendering to God turns you into a new creation and that you leave behind as much as possible your sinful past. Um, you know, they want to make that a crime. Uh, and, and the Bible speaks very clearly about this. The Apostle Paul talks about, you know, homosexuals, and he says, such were some of you, right? Some of the people who were listening to him, some of the people who were reading this epistle, um, they they used to be homosexuals. They used to be adulterers. They used to be fornicators. They used to be drunkards. Uh, and yet now governments uh, all across the United States, local governments, state governments are saying it's going to be a crime for you to tell somebody that they can turn over a new leaf, that they can start over again. Uh, this is incredibly dangerous. It's obviously a flagrant violation of the First Amendment. It's a flagrant violation of basic decency and morality, and it needs to be stopped. Take a look at this last little slide. Unbelievable. Uh, Dr. Ham's claim that gender transition reduces suicides 
is contradicted by every systematic review, including the review published by the Endocrine Society itself. We looked at this in the first segment, but I want to end with this, Alex. We quote, we could not draw any conclusions about death by suicide. There is no reliable evidence to suggest that hormonal transition is an effective suicide prevention measure. The politicization of transgender healthcare in the U.S. is unfortunate. The way to combat it is for medical societies to align their recommendations with the best available evidence rather than exaggerating the benefits and minimizing the risk to kids. 21 clinicians and researchers from nine countries made that statement. You have the last word, Alex. Yeah, and this is just the beginning. The dominoes are going to fall here. I would not want to get in the way of this falling knife. Uh, It's time for doctors to start speaking out loudly and clearly. This is barbaric. This is indeed a sword of Damocles dangling over all their heads. And that's going to wrap up this show. If you have any questions, comments, or want to support the show, simply visit thedrdukeshow.com. For all of us and for Alex Newman here at The Dr. Duke Show, thank you. We'll see you next time.